Glory, glory, Sacramento. Hello, and welcome to this very special edition of the 916 Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan. This week, I spent all of my time that I devote to podcast-related matters working on research for this episode, so I'll be forced to keep tonight's introductions a bit shorter than usual. (sighs) Here we go. (laughs) Joined with me in the studio tonight is Zach. Zach, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Nolan. Great. I'm sorry that I... Don't have an intro for you. As long as you don't have one for me and don't have one for Scott. Oh. Well, also joining me (laughs) in the studio tonight is the man. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, also joining me tonight in the studio is Scott. Hello, Scott. Hi. Hi. That was underwhelming. I thought you were going to ask how I was doing. Oh. Oh, did I? Yeah, you asked Zach. Oh. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. You look good. I'm a special. You're a little further away tonight than usual. Yeah, we're trying something... Where we're sitting on like opposite ends of this long narrow table to see yeah. if the sound works better. So, so let us know if it does. <laughs> we're just yeah. trying to bring quality content to you guys, okay? Exactly. Yeah, which quality, exactly. quality content. Which, by the way, uh, hit us up on social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At nine one six Republic, we got. I got on our social media. I'm gonna. She's been relegated to in, summer intern at this point. <laughs> it's taken yeah. far too long to get to get working on a, on episode updates. So she can earn her back her title of permanent social media director but yeah so we'll see we'll see if it happens but yeah hit us up on social media yeah it's twitter and instagram and instagram twitter and instagram we also have a wix site we all, we do have a a, a website yeah by so, powered by wix powered by wix shout out to wix thank you <laughs> yep. for lining our pockets do you know who else is money. who else <laughs> is also powerful nolan who is that? Some of these new transfers that Sacramento Ooh, has. Ooh, powerful thighs. Okay. Um, so the first one that we need to, to know is uh, Bobby Shuttleworth is a goalie on loan from Minnesota United. And that's pretty much it. He's probably brought in to at least compete with Rafa Diaz for the starting spot. I don't know if he'll take it. I watched the Minnesota United last year, and – uh, he was not good. Minnesota did he, start U- for them? he did start for oh. Minnesota United last year. The back line for Minnesota United wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. But there's a reason that they replaced him and he has been, you know, pushed to the backup goalie for Minnesota. So they sent him out on loan. I mean, he might be a very good championship defender or goalie, but he's not a starting MLS goalie anymore. Mm-hmm. He's a little, little bit older. He's been around the block for a while. I think he's played like 10 or 11 years in Major League Soccer. So he is experienced. At the very least, he's an experienced backup. At the best, he could be an upgrade to Rafa Diaz. He didn't play in the Vegas game, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he gets in this Colorado game. I don't know. I don't really think Rafa Diaz has played bad. No, I've, I been, I've been happy with his performance. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we're not there in training. We're not seeing uh, Bobby Shuttleworth's skill and experience. So we'll see if that changes anything. But the bigger news, mm, uh, the player that is here on a contract for this end, end of the season and option for the 2020 season is Come Thomas. US. I, I, let and me pronounce this correctly because right, I, I watched a video of him pronouncing it. It's uh-huh. it's Ina Wilson. Ina Wilson. Very quick. Danish, uh-huh. Inavolsen, not Inavolsen. so Americans want to pronounce that like Inavolsen. It's Inavolsen. Um I mean, I pronounce it Godsend. Yes. Yes. Um, Thirty-two year old, uh, like I said, Danish international has eleven caps, one goal for Denmark. That was a little bit of that was a little while ago, but mm-hmm. it still has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty eighteen Golden Boot runner up uh, behind Cameron Lancaster, who had 24, 25 goals. He had twenty goals and nine assists. Uh, also runner-up for an MVP uh, finalist. Um, like I said last year, 20 goals, 9 assists for Orange County. So in the Western Conference, so it's not like he's doing this somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, only has five goals in 20 appearances this season for the Indy 11. So he switched to the to the uh, Eastern Conference. And um, just a little fun fact, he scored a goal in the Champions League um, when he was playing for uh, Danish side Alabama. Alborg BK hmm. Burger King. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he scored a goal against Villarreal. So in a two-two draw, and I think it was at Villarreal. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I, he's played in some pretty high level. I mean, that's the highest level. Yeah. That's and that's what he said. I was watching like a little five-minute interview with him when he was with Orange County, and he was like, the the question was, 
what's like your your best soccer memory, best footballing memory? And he's like scoring the goal in the Champions League. And he's like, that's the highest level you can get to, even though I know that I, I wasn't on the biggest team, but yeah, hey, I did it. So, um, and I also just I watched a couple of videos and of him and looked up a you know a few of his like positioning stats. He can play. I, I guess at points in his career, he's played left wing, right wing, striker, you know, second forward. So he can kind of play all over the front line. Versatile, yeah. He's very right-footed. Mm. Of the 20 goals he scored last year with Orange County, 17 of them were in the box. And I think uh, like 15 of those goals that he scored were with his right foot or mm. something like that. He's like very right-footed. And I also noticed that he tends to get those kind of cleanup goals, you know, shot rebounded, picks it up, um, or just – poor defending he seems to be unmarked on the far post and gets the tap in he get he gets those goals more than i think other forwards do uh which shows that he has good experience positioning knows when to make the run he also is a decent passer i saw a couple of his assists and they they seem to be better than what we have in the central of center of the park i guess we have some decent passing with like Sam Warner out wide or um, kind of the rotating cast of whoever's playing on the right. Um, I, I think Kevin Elliman actually did pretty good against this Vegas game. He had yes. the, he had the pass into Cameron Awasa's chance, which we'll talk about again in a second. But uh-huh. yeah, I, I really like this signing. I think we've needed some experience. What do you guys think? I, uh, after watching the Vegas game, which ends in a zero, zero, tie we'll talk about it a little later um the one thing that stands out to me before like i remember thinking about this before i hear about the signing the one thing that stood out to me is like man if we just had a striker that could put consistent goals in the net it would like break open this the offensive threat that that we could have like it would just free up awasa to do his thing warner to do his thing like it could be so good if we had a consistent goal scorer as a striker. That was my big takeaway from the Vegas game. And then right after that, like a couple maybe a couple hours later, I hear about this signing and I'm like, "Oh, godsend right there." So I am my expectations are very high. I'll just admit it. Yeah. And I think uh from a impact on this season point of view this is going to be huge for sacramento we're finally going to be getting uh goals from the front which we've been lacking all season long but also just on a more uh player to player level i think it's gonna be a really cool opportunity for stefano bonomo to work um with a guy who's approaching the latter stages of his professional career but to to learn and work with a guy who has um such a uh storied career and um who can hopefully encourage and uh, share some insight and yeah mentor mentor and coach uh our our younger striker stefano bonomo because i really like what i see in bonomo and um i think we all saw it early on in the season and and it just hasn't worked out this year in 20 2019 but i think um as far as goals go yeah yeah. i think this is going to be a cool a cool partnership in training and maybe on the pitch uh if if and Evelson, and Evelson, what is it? Dive, is Enivol, any Evelson, and Evelson is as versatile as he uh, as he is. He might be able to, to fit on into a lineup with Bonomo. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and I actually think they're slightly different players, like just in their physique. So Evelson is like five eleven, mm-hmm. and Bonomo is like six four. So I, I think just because of that, they play differently. Mm. Um, so I don't know if they're like the same type of player i was just kind of more thinking of like what bonomo can learn from anna volson um that being said possibly yeah like anna volson's a a, he's just a good goal scorer you Mm -hmm. know i I think he's scored probably everywhere he's been i was looking at it like oh he's a few goals here and he scored there and so um i think that's that's good i think this might mean that one of the other forwards like it could be bonomo it could be blackwood it could be um i i don't know it could could be bijev um 
somebody's going to have to be left out of the 18 now. And I hope it's not Blackwood. Um, I could see it being Bonomo. It could be Bijev. I, I'm, we hope there's, there's, there's just so many, it feels like there's so many forwards. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody goes, mm-hmm. um, on a loan or if they just let them go on a free transfer or something like that. Um, and not to kind of bring up a, another topic from previous podcast, but we don't know. It doesn't say that a transfer was paid. Mm. So I think Indy 11 was like, Hey, we're not getting the, the goals. Yeah. The production out of you that we're paying you for. Cause he's Indy 11 is one of those teams that has a little bit more money to pay players. Um, so I think they probably let him go on a free. And then I think just today or maybe yesterday, they announced that they signed two forwards from, I think one was from Brazil and one was from like Paraguay or something like that. Or Uruguay. I can't remember. So they brought in two players to, I guess, do what Enna Volson couldn't do. Um, so I think this is a good signing for Sacramento. I think the Bobby uh, Shuttleworth was also a good signing on loan till the end of the season. And we'll see if they get in um, the next game against the Colorado Springs switchbacks. But before we can talk about that, we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Lights review. Zach, you have some thoughts about this game. Yeah, let's get into that review. So we talked a little bit about it so far. Um, first of all, I think in the first half, you look at the first half, is some solid defense. Um, as you go through that game, we formation-wise, um, communication-wise, it was a solid, a solid performance from the defense. Um, as we get into the second half, there was some chances that were created by Vegas, um, some solid chances. Uh, one of those, one of the best being off of a set piece. But overall, I think, I think it was still a very solid effort. Defensively, Rafa Diaz being a big reason why. Again, very impressed with him, very impressed with his play so far. Um, something else that stuck out to me was what I thought was was some strong midfield play. I'd lo- love to open that up to you guys in a sec. But what I thought was um, really good play by our, by our midfield. We saw Skundrich in there, Villarreal, um, and I thought they played well. Um, Aliman. But again, we are stuck with the same narrative. We're unable to finish. Awasa has a good, um, a very good chance at the 31st minute. It's a solid save, a solid shot, but other than that, we we struggled to get good um, shots on net throughout the game, something that has plagued us for a long time, something, a big reason why uh, Enna Volson is so encouraging and like uh, it, 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 expectations very much raised for me in that signing. Um, because of that finishing. And then finally, you know, Formella. Um, we see this guy, our new, our Polish newbie, come on uh, for a couple minutes. You know, he looked a little out of sorts. But overall, I thought, you know, he was, he was able to contribute. And he, was, he made smart decisions. There was a solid chance towards the end of the goal where, uh, or towards the end of the game where uh, Warner puts on a header, misses, but... Um, in that build-up play, um, Formella puts a couple good passes together and joins the attack. So, you know, there was some there was some awesome, you know, takeaways from this game. Again, just kind of continuing that narrate, narrative of not being able to finish. Um, but, yeah, like, definitely something I'd love to open up to you guys is, is that midfield play it was something that I saw sh- that was really strong on top of the defense. Um, what did you guys think? I agree, yeah. The midfield looked solid. It was fun to see Jaime Villarreal line up against his older brother uh, mm, in, yeah. in the game. That was, that was interesting. I saw that on the Sacramento Instagram. But yeah, they played well. They played solidly. Usually, in a, generally in a nil-nil draw, the, the, uh, the part of the field that was lacking would be the attacking um, four or five players. So um, yeah, it was a it was an encouraging performance from that midfield, and Hayden Partain wasn't even in that lineup, so yeah. Cool. Um, 
I, yeah, I agree. I think well, it was Villarreal and Skuntrick that, that started the game. Because we played a 4-3-3, right? three, three, I believe. Yeah. So you have Skundrick, Villarreal, and Aliman in the middle. Um, I think that's... Is that right? I thought Aliman was on the so. wing. I, could, I, I can't remember. Fatmob has it listed as a 4-2-3-1, but... Fatmob does have it listed as Aliman as a winger, but I couldn't quite remember if he played wing. I'm sure he went wide in attack, but no, I think I think that was right, and I and I guess Cameron Owasso was kind of the number ten with okay. Bonomo starting All right. up top. Um, I don't remember Bonomo doing anything, which is why I didn't remember him yeah. in the game. Um, yeah, I think I, I think that that midfield pairing of Skundrick and Villarreal is good. I still just don't think Skundrick has given much in way of um, passing through the lines. Like, he has some assist, mm-hmm. but, like, okay, the assist against, uh, I think it was San Antonio. In San Antonio, he's in the box, and he just puts a cleared ball, you know, back across uh, the goal over the top of the goalkeeper so he can't get it, and I think it was Awasa that finishes. Yeah. It's not the type of assisting that I'm – wanting to see in my number eight i i mean it's good but the assist that i want to see regularly is a pass in between center backs for the forward to run onto or a ball over the top through the throat to run onto or for a winger or something like that yeah and i just don't think he has that type of range of passing that partain does he does shuttle the ball you know he keeps the keeps the play moving which is fine but Partain also does that. So I would actually want to see Partain more in that number eight role that kind of pushes up even further because Awasa pushes up so far that you need that number eight to connect from the back line and the, the number six to the forwards. And I just don't think Skundrick does that well enough. So um, that's me personally. Um, I thought Kevin Aliman played fine. He, he, he had good passing. Um, and then the back line played okay as well. I, I think it was a decent game. It's a forgettable game because nobody was able to finish for either team. Yep. And I, I think we're probably in a spot where it was a good draw. Mm-hmm. It, uh, that was my biggest takeaway from this game is um, we didn't lose. We were able to get a point, even though it was at home. But this was a team that properly tore us open in a 10 minute spell uh, the last time we played oh, them yeah and we were able to not allow them to do that that they, they could have they had some chances mm-hmm. um but i think they were more half chances i, I mean one of their chances was a, just a an improper clearance on our part and we almost put it the ball into the back of our net rafa diaz is, um, is able to pick that up mm-hmm. um another one of their chances was kind of a, just a hopeful strike from outside the box hits the bar and goes out uh, and then there were they really only had maybe two good chances other than those half ones that turned into something yep um so this could have very easily been a 2-0 win for Sacramento it could have easily been a 2-0 loss for Sacramento but i think the fact that it was a draw shows that we're maybe coming into a little bit of confidence like we're we're not going to just lose games if we're not scoring Mm -hmm. we're able to get some points um and i think the game before this was a a draw as as well right for sacramento yeah no they beat san antonio sorry pulls it up again i think the last draw was against sorry it was a 3-2 win against san antonio and before that was the 0-0 draw against orange county okay so that's what i was thinking of that these these uh these draws could have very easily been losses, but we were able to get the draw. So that's my biggest takeaway. Let's move on now to the Colorado Springs switchback preview. Nolan has some notes about Colorado Springs. I do. First order of business in talking about the, the switchbacks is to note the business that they've done in the transfer market recently. They've just signed a uh, Mexican forward in Fernando Sorry, Fernando Gonzalez Delphine. Uh, he's been brought in from Club America. He has five appearances for uh, the senior team. He has uh, 20 appearances for the U20s team there. Also has made 
um, has uh, played for the Mexico U Mexican U21s national team uh, in recent years. Um, yeah, he's a good player. I, just, I watched a goal on that he scored against in the uh, for the <coughs> senior team in Liga MX, and it was um, it was a pretty good goal. Um, yeah, young, exciting. Don't think he's going to play against Sacramento. Um, I just want to say before we move on, because there is another signing that Colorado made. Club America is probably the biggest club Arguably, in North yeah. America. Uh, they're regularly sending young, talented Mexicans yeah. to Europe. Um, I believe Chucky Lozano, mm-hmm. who's at PSV, was like a $15 million transfer from Club America. I'm I, pretty sure. So the fact that this guy was even around their first team mm-hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. I, now, players have good spells, and then they have bad spells. So obviously, he only had five appearances for the first team. So he's not a Liga MX level player. But he was with their U20s, which is that's a high level for U20s. So I think this is actually a really good signing and one that teams in the USL should try to emulate. And also, teams in the Western Conference should look out for him because he's probably a very talented player. Sorry to interrupt, Nolan. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's he's going to be fun to watch. He most likely will not feature against Sacramento because there appear to be uh, work visa issues. Uh, unsurprisingly, a Mexican player can't get to the U.S. That's sad. Um, so hopefully that gets worked out before the 2019 season is over because switchbacks need some goal scorers. Anyway, uh, the other signing that they have made uh, in recent days is 17-year-old goalkeeper Abraham Rodriguez. He's already been named to the Team of the Week uh, squad and has two penalty saves uh, mm. for the switchback. So let's hope Sacramento don't uh, can you know get a penalty and have it saved by a 17-year-old. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> and so, yes, that's the transfer business that they've done. Um, tactically, they sit deep in a 4-4-2. Uh, a player to watch that I picked out is their top scorer for the season. He only has six goals in Jordan Burt. He started every single one of their 24 games, which is not a great uh, goal per game ratio. It comes out to 0.25 well, goals per I'm game. I'm pretty sure he's a midfielder. Okay. Is he? Okay. I don't I'm, know. I'm pretty sure he's like a central midfielder, yeah. Okay. So he's their top goal scorer. Uh, I think he was listed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so he's there. Watch for him if goal is scored it might be for him and he's going to start because he started every game of the usl season this year um yeah and it's interesting to me that they i mean signing a 17 year old goalie from a a local academy it was going to happen but mm -hmm. the fact that they tried to or signed i tried to we're not sure um fernando gonzalez after they fire their head coach uh steve tritchew who's been a, a a very productive head coach has gotten a lot out of the players that he has is very odd to me. I don't know why they would fire him and then say to the interim head coach, okay, who do you want to go sign? Yeah. Why not give the guy that has taken you to the playoffs before with limited uh, resources? Why don't you give him the ability to go sign this high level player and let him pick the player that he wants a little bit of context for Colorado. They, this offseason became the uh, USL affiliate for the Colorado Rapids. That seems to make sense, right? Denver, Colorado Springs, they're very close to each other. It's easy for the Rapids to send down players to the switchbacks and for the switchbacks to send them back and have that transfer of players. Uh, at the beginning of the season, though, the Rapids were not playing well, so they didn't have the luxury to send down a 20-year-old draft pick or something like that because they were needing those players to play minutes because their starters weren't doing well. Now the Rapids are kind of settling in after they've made a a coaching change and they've gotten some uh, other young players in from kind of around Major League Soccer. They were like, okay, who's young and talented that we could bring in, coach up, and then sell? So I think that has pushed maybe some of their other guys that were on the fringe down a bit and I think that is going to help Colorado in the long run. I think I was looking at um, one of their center backs that started the last few games is from the Rapids. So 
if they're able to get some of those major league soccer contracted players more consistently, um, like consistently the same player, and also get them for a long period of time, I think that's really going to help Colorado Springs. Because if you look at their roster, it's not very deep. And I think that's because they were holding those spots for rapid loans, loan players. Hmm. So that's something to look for is, okay, who is maybe been loaned down for a game or who's still on loan when Sacramento hosts Colorado this season. Um, quick note, their interim head coach is Wolde Harris. He's a Jamaican internationalist, um, played and scored for Jamaica. And um, he um, played in Major League Soccer, also um, owns a, a company called Grassroots Football Jamaica in Jamaica. Uh, and then he attended Clemson, was a kind of a graduate assistant for Clemson's men's soccer team, and then uh, a couple years ago came on as the assistant coach for the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. They have come out and said that he is the interim manager, so it sounds like they're just going to hold him as the interim manager for this season, and then they're going to go look for a new head coach in the offseason. Mm-hmm. If things don't work out with Simon Elliott, for whatever reason, Maybe you wanted to finish fourth and you only finished seventh, whatever it is. I really do think Steve Trichu is a good coach. He knows how to implement a system and to do a lot with very little. It will be interesting to see what he's able to do with a lot in Sacramento. I relate him to um, some coaches in the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, right now but there was a coach that coached the the rochester rhinos and then the rochester rhinos organization kind of folded and he went over to coach the pittsburgh riverhounds and oh bob Lilly, that's his name mm. and he all of a sudden now has a little bit more money with pittsburgh and has played very well he's not doing too well this season because i think he's maybe being a little bit found out because the league is getting better um but i think that could be steve trichu's story he didn't have a lot maybe goes to a club that has a bit more money to spend and has a lot of success. Mm. Uh, That's what I would be expecting from him. But now, I believe, if we are done with this preview... I have one last thing to say. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, go. Uh, Not of a tactical uh, note, but more of a fun, lighthearted note. Uh, They right now sit 16 out of 18 on the Western Conference table, so they have a hard time getting fans out to games. So, in their first home game... uh, the next time that they play at home, August 31st, is free underwear night at their stadium. <laughs> so when they when they go to face off against the Phoenix Rising FC, the first 1,000 fans in attendance will receive a free pair of Switchbacks underwear. Um, not sure how. I wonder if it's men's or women's. That's exactly what I was thinking. Or both. Maybe it's just it's like, unisex. I wonder what unisex just like underwear looks like. Some briefs. Tidy whiteies. Like prison underwear. Tidy whiteies. <laughs> with like Switchbacks on the butt. Yeah. And then also. Uh, the, for the first 30 minutes that the gates are open, beer, 16 ounce beers will be $1. So, 16 ounce dude, beers are yes. That's They're huge. like we need to $16. Get ourselves to I'm saying. Oh, Papa Murphy's Man. is a, a, a the, crime. It's a small crime this, for a this beer is, there. This is an official statement from the club. This is how desperate they are to get people in. For the price of a switchback ticket in two to five beers, it is cheaper than buying two to five beers at a bar or restaurant. Period. What? Wow! Dude. I don't know. They just that's either to... brilliant marketing. That's just that's so or... depressing. Desperate marketing. Yeah, is yeah. What it that's is. desperate. I anyway. mean, I guess no publicity is bad publicity. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. and okay. Anyway, that was my last note. Anyway, moving on. Moving on, we are going to do something a little bit unique uh, for for this show. We obviously are a very very outspokenly stated. Uh, all things Sacramento Republic mm. podcast. We, oh, absolutely. We've made that clear. We do game previews and reviews, and we talk about things on and off the field. Yep. Mostly centered around Sacramento Republic. We then, this summer, kind of stretched out, and we talked about the Men's World Cup and the Women's World Cup, and mm. we said, hey, these are uh, related to Sacramento Republic because um, if you're in the country of America, you're probably an American soccer fan. You want to be kept up to date on the men's and women's world cup you probably don't have time to watch all the games blah 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 blah. that all makes sense we all love this country we want to see how they're doing but right now we are going to go outside of this country we're going to talk about the english premier league if you don't know what that is that is the top flight soccer league in england what 
the reason this relates to Sacramento, and we have to preface this, okay, mm. because that it is the whole point of why we're doing this quick Premier League preview. The majority of English-speaking soccer fans in the U.S. will have a European team, yeah. right? So whether that's in England or Germany, usually those are the top two countries. Could be um, France, also maybe. France or Spain. Spain. Yeah. Spain. Um, the the reason that England and Germany are more likely than the other ones is they are more accessible. So uh, the German league, the Bundesliga, is shown on Fox and Fox Sports One and Two, and um, NBC hosts the English Premier League um, and all their their networks and stuff. Um, the other leagues are hosted on other less accessible channels. So you probably have a friend or a family member that is maybe a bit of a Euro snob. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they don't watch Major League Soccer or they will definitely not watch the USL because it's just not a high enough quality. Nobody's saying that they are. We're not going to, tr- going to try to argue that they are. Mm. But there's probably that friend that watches the Premier League mm. because a lot of Americans do. And the Premier League kicked off this past weekend. So we thought, hey, let's do a quick preview of some teams that we follow, teams that we think are going to be exciting and interesting this year so that even though you might not watch the Premier League, if you sit down across the desk or across the the, the table at a restaurant or the water cooler, the, the, yeah, the water cooler, whatever it is in your car on your way to work or dropping off a kid, so they're playing soccer. And if you're talking to that person that is a Premier League enthusiast and just activist almost, um, you will not be ignorant. You will know what is going on, what should be expected of some major teams. You can have some talking points so that you could possibly say, hey, how about we watch some games on Saturday morning? Let's go to the pub, you know? Mm. Or maybe you say, hey, how about you come to a Sac Republic game with me? So all of these things interlace in the American soccer culture And that, again, goes back to one of our core values, that soccer brings people together. Mm. So on those lines of soccer brings people together, we're going to teach you in about 10 to 12 minutes a quick Premier League preview, okay? The Premier. The Prem, okay, if you will. So The Prem Premier. So we're going to... (laughs) So so this is how this is going to work. Nolan and Zach are going to talk in depth about two specific clubs, the clubs that they most closely identify with. We've actually talked about these clubs before on the podcast, Zach, um, has said he's a Liverpool fan because he's watched a documentary series. Nolan and his sister watched a documentary series about Manchester City. They've also been to England and took a tour of um, City Football Group's training ground. I'm going to talk about four teams briefly in case those clubs don't tickle Click. your fancy or whatever. Yeah. So so we're going to go to Zach and then Nolan and then myself. So Zach, take away our first Premier League preview club. All right. First Premier Preview Club Club Liverpool, um, just a quick club history. They were founded in 1892. Um, they play at Anfield, which is a 53,000-seat stadium, which is famous for its loud and obsessively committed fan base. Their mascot is the Liverbird, oh. which is a mythical creature popular to the town of Liverpool's folklore. Oh. Very interesting stuff. Um, as far as trophies go, they have 18 oh. Premier League trophies. Um, wins, the last one coming in the 1989-90 season. They have six Champions League wins, um, the last one coming this past year. They are the defending champions. Some big players um, to note, probably the top three, uh, is Mohamed Salah, he's the right wing, Virgil van Dijk, center back, uh, Ballon d'Or winner as of last year, and Alisson, the goaltender. Um a couple other players that are definitely worth mentioning. This team is captained by Jordan Henderson, um, and also Bobby Firmino is the as a, is at the top of that attack in the striker kind of false nine position. Um, and their their fullbacks are very uh, significant to this roster: Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold at those two positions. Um, to just talk about the manager. Uh, Briefly, Jurgen Klopp is the manager. He's a German gentleman. He coached at Dortmund um, in the Bundesliga before coming to Liverpool in 2015. Uh, for Dortmund, he won the league twice and coached the 20, uh, 2012-2013 Champions League runners-up, which was Dortmund as well. 
Um, he is a very passionate, very fiery personality, known for his strength in development of young talent and aggressive tactics. Um, and kind of coming off of that, in those tactics, he favors a 4-3-3 uh, with a false nine, which it makes excellent use of the team's three dangerous attackers, um, allowing Mohamed Salah on the right wing and Sadio Mane on the left wing to make runs, do what they do, um, be quick, be fast. And it, it also allows Bobby Firmino to drop back to assist in that midfield as that false nine. It also incorporates a CDM into the fold, and with the role, perfect that role is it's perfectly suited for the likes of Jordan Henderson and uh, Fabinho, who's who also plays a very similar role. Um, they like to press high. They love to play out of the back and incorporate their two fullbacks into the attack. Their playing style is aggressive and demands a high level of chemistry, which is absolutely a reflection of their manager's personality and charisma. Um, finally, some season goals that Liverpool are looking to accomplish this year is to win it all. It's really kind of the, the expectations for them are very high. Um, I would say other than that, probably best defense in the Premier League. It's something that they had last year. It's something that I, I'm sure that the Jurgen Klopp values, the club values, is having that top defense. And uh, also having, on a kind of an individual level, having the golden boot winner. They've... Um, had it two years in a row, Mo Salah. Mo Salah two years ago had it. Last year it was a joint win between Mo Salah and Sadio Mane with a third joint member being Aubameyang out of uh, Arsenal. So uh, it's something that they've had for the last two years. That attacking mindset is something that Jurgen Klopp values. Goal scores. Uh, the expectations are high, my friends, and uh, Liverpool are definitely an exciting football club to watch. Indeed, indeed. Uh, quick question. Did you say Van Dyke is the Ballon d'Or winner, or he might win the Ballon d'Or? Ballon d'Or winner he did win last year. Yeah. Van Dyke? Yeah, Virgil van Dyke won he the Ballon d'Or last year. He was voted the best year. player in the world. No, that was... That was or, no, sorry, I, I think he is the... He's tipped he, to be the, the Ballon d'Or winner. No, he was voted the best Premier player. League player of the year. Okay, okay, okay. That's what it was. PFA player of the year. Because I, I think Nolan... I think no one's right. I'll look yeah. it up in a second. Because the Men's World Cup was last year in Modric. Really? Yeah. I think so. Luka Modric is the reigning Ballon d'Or uh, nominee or winner or whatever. Oh, all right, up. I might be wrong Van, Van Dyke I won. Th- I'm, all right, we'll look it up. We'll look it up. Yeah. Anyway, and then also, uh, to clarify, Liverpool, I think they have 18 English top flight titles, right? Because their last one was 1989? Yes. Yeah, because the Premier League yes, wasn't yes, founded yes, yes. until... I meant, yeah, to, I meant to say that. That was in my notes. Yeah, so uh, it's something interesting about... Uh, Liverpool is they have not won a Premier League title, technically speaking, mm-hmm. um, because the Premier League has not been around that long. Last time they won a league title was eighty nine ninety, yeah. which was and not... then Sir Alex Ferguson happened. Yeah, and it just at Manchester exactly United ruined everything. Yeah. So that'll be something and that that'll dominated be... the English the football for twenty years. Yeah, Luka Modric twenty eighteen. Yeah, there uh, it is. He yeah, Virgil Van Dijk won the. The league, the he, league he won a lot player, of awards, yeah. which is big for a defender to win that. Yeah, like absolutely. That, that should not be understated. Yep, he is tipped to be often. the the twenty nineteen. Oh, or well, one of them. I mean, yeah. there's a there's bunch of other guys. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, I'll move on to Manchester City. Manchester City is a club that gives me one of the most. It's just one of the reasons that I love this game because I love this game. It has. I'll just get into it and explain why. It's a great club. Great football's going on there right now. And they actually have quite a storied history against uh, common Twitter folklore. And so, yeah, I'm going to get into it. History of Manchester City Football Club. It was founded in 1880. They won their first FA Cup title in 1904 before Manchester United ever won an FA Cup. A lot of people like to hold it over City's head that they have no history, that they only just got bought by some oil prints um, the past 10 years and have only enjoyed success in that time simply is not true. They won the FA Cup in 1934, 1956, and 1969. They also won the European Cup in 1970. Which is like the Champions League. The Champions League of of the old days. Uh, They were one of the founding teams in the English Premier League in 1992. But this is interesting. They had a rough patch between that time and 2003. So in 1992, one of the founding teams in the English top flight, the English Premier League. In 1996, they were relegated from the English Premier League to the second division. In 1998, they were relegated, 
relegated from the English second division to the English third division. Oof. They were promoted back to the second division in 99, back to the Premier League in 2000, and then relegated again to the second division in 2001. Their last season in the second division of English soccer was from 2001 to 2002, where they broke like all the records, <clears throat> and uh, then were reinstated to the Premier League in 2002, beginning of that season, and have been there ever since. In 2003 to in 2004, they moved to their current stadium, the city called the City of Manchester Stadium, uh, all now titled the Etihad, um, because of sponsorship deals. But it was a stadium that they held the Pan American Games track and field events in which I thought was really cool because I love track. Anyway, moving on. In 2007, City was bought by the Prime Minister, by the then Prime Minister of Thailand, Thaksin Shinawatra. Thaksin. Which I just love saying that name, and I think it's interesting that a head of state owned City Football Club in England. But anyway, in 2008, sadly, Thaksin Shinawatra was uh, thrown out of power due to a military coup, and it, he was forced to sell the club. Desperate to sell this club, Shinawatra sold... Manchester City FC to the Abu Dhabi United Group for development and investment. So, do you know how much they went for? Do you I know? I don't know. You don't know number. how much they went I don't for. know the number. Do you know what player came in in 2008? Uh, yeah, the the Rabinho? Vincent Company. Oh, Vincent. yeah, I, I knew. I Company. think he was the first. No, 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 it wasn't. Signing. It what? was Rabinho from Real Madrid. He, no, I just looked it up. It was 2008 is when Vincent Company came to City. Yeah, yeah, but so did but the first signing of the new the new ownership. Oh, I didn't know about that. I just oh. meant like that man came in. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. He did come in then. Uh, yeah, right after the, the the UAE takeover. So this is why. So getting to why I love City. I love City because it's a wonderful club. It has world, uh, global recognition. They are playing one of the most beautiful styles of football on the planet right now. They happen to also be owned by persons with rather shady. Uh, dealings. This is the state of the modern game for me, and this is why I like football because it's not all just like, uh, you know, wonder and amazement and, you know, uh, drooling over certain playing styles. It's it's this. So, uh, the United, the Abu Dhabi United Development and Investment Group. Um, long story short, he's it is directed by a man named Mansour bin Zayed Al Nayan. Uh, what He's referred to as Sheikh Mansour. He's the, one of the uh, six uh, royal family members of the Emirate Abu Dhabi. So that the United Arab Emirates is a country on the Persian along the Persian Gulf, which is the uh, union of six of seven Arab states. So Arab Emirates kingdoms. Um, Abu Dhabi is the richest by far of any of those states. It's where the capital is, blah, blah, blah. Sheikh Mansour is a member of that. Uh, he's, he's a member of that government. So he's the uh, de- current deputy prime minister of the UAE, like the country itself. And then he's uh, one of the founding, one of the key men, members of that um, Abu Dhabi Emirate. Um, yes, the UAE and Abu Dhabi in general has recently come under fire in past decades for violations Gross violations of human rights. So, uh, Abu Dhabi is, or the UAE is this growing uh, industrial nation um, with all of a sudden this need for like massive infrastructure. So, buildings, roads, all these things. They need workers for that. Um, So, where do they get them from? Well, they get them from mainly India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. So, the way, how do you get uh, aliens, like migrant workers, to come and work for you in your country? Well, there's this system of contract. Of employee contract in that is implemented in the UAE called the kafala system. Kafala is a term for adoption. Essentially, a certain worker's employer sponsors that worker to live and work in the UAE. Not a hor- it sounds like a pretty above board deal, but what generally happens is that the employers contract with the migrant workers ask for their uh, identification, so visas, passports, all those important documents that you need to travel internationally, and then uh, keep them from the workers. So essentially what they do is make them work for pennies while dangling the carrot of getting your passport back in front of your face while you're slaving away building the roads and bridges and buildings. Um, So 
Needless to say, the UAE has come under fire from all sorts of human rights activists uh, for this horrible practice. So, why did, why did Sheikh Mansour buy Man City? Well, in part, long story short, in part, as a way of one, uh, creating an image of the world to the world that is not uh, primarily that of a gross human rights violator, but that of a nice football club owner who reshaped the way that uh, that football is done today globally. Um, also, yes, that's the main reason why he did that. Also, it's a great way of uh, keeping capital in a, which is what Roman Abramovich has done at Chelsea, get your money in a safe place so that, you know, if a political coup happened, you can still go back and sell your club and cash in on all that, on all those investments. Also, last thing, the Abu Dhabi airline, Etihad, Etihad Airways, is the like massive commercial sponsor of Manchester City. Why is this relevant? Well, it's allowed Manchester City to pretty much violate financial fair play, financial fair play regulations without actually doing it because what they do is they the contract with Etihad Airways is inflated. So financial fair play essentially keeps clubs from going in too far into debt too quickly, buying players and revamping uh, stadiums, etc. Um, so if you can report that you're being paid commer- from commercial sponsors far more than you're worth, then you can go and buy way more players and not go into debt. So you stay legally within the financial fair play bounds, but just getting paid far more than anyone else. Anyway, that's interesting too, because Etihad Airways is based in Abu Dhabi. It's, it's essentially, everyone's just paying, they're all just keeping it in the family. PSG they, also does that. PSG does that. They're from, owners are in Qatar, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're in Qatar. Like Somebody I, with oil money. Yeah, yeah I read a, hmm. a journalist that said like, yeah, a head of state runs PSG pretty yeah. much. So, um, so yeah, so that's the kind of like political side. Yeah, of that's, the club. that's that side of the club. I think that's interesting because that's dark and sad and kind of depressing but what's not is the football that's going on at man city so so true they have (laughs) won two consecutive premier league titles they play one of the most attractive styles of football ever they possess like 70 to 80 percent of most games unless they're playing liverpool or another um high pressing team then they'll try not to have the ball as much because then they kind of play into their their style their hands um yes very fun to watch uh they, uh, their passing is insane. So uh, Pep Guardiola really emphasizes these passing triangles. So if you watch City, look for the passing triangles. They're always going to be passing through and around uh, opposition blocks. So that's fun to see as well. Players to watch. Raheem Sterling, someone who is not only a great footballer, also a great human being, has been racially discriminated against and has overcome that to become one of the best strike goal scorers in the Premier League today. A new signing that they just brought in, Rodri. He only goes by one, he doesn't go by one name, but it's too long to pronounce his full name. Rodri, a central defensive midfielder, going to replace Fernandinho at that base of the midfield three. Um, he'll be really, it'll be re- it will be interesting to see how he adapts to Premier League uh, soccer because the style is much more physical, allegedly, than most leagues around the world. Another guy to watch, Bernardo Silva. He's been tipped to be the next multiple Ballon d'Or winner. He's massively talented, only 22, 23 years old. Um, clut- comes up clutch in big games. The bench, Man City's bench, last thing, Man City's bench is insane. Jose Jose Mourinho, the former manager of Man United, recently was on a TV uh, show and was commenting on the teams that he thought could seriously challenge to win the Premier League this season. And it was City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and City B, uh, Man City B team because their bench is so deep anyway yeah, i saw that that's silly. i thought that was funny yeah i thought it was funny too because it's 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 not it's kind of true it's not false <laughs> yeah well and you have to know the context like man manchester united the club that jose Mourinho used to manage uh spent a lot of money on transfers and jose Mourinho was like no we need to spend more we need to spend more we need to spend more and he's finally gone yeah. and they spent some money on defenders that he wanted yeah he wanted to do those guys he wanted and harry Maguire. I, I the on the show the other you know, Pundit. commentators, pundits were like, "Oh, w- was that what you were talking about when Manchester United when you said Manchester United needed transfers?" And he was like, "Yeah." So, <laughs> and it's just funny. Yep. Anyway, that was me on City. Okay. So, 
Those, if you know the Premier League, the two clubs we just talked about finished second and first mm-hmm. in the Premier League last season. So you're like, oh, you're only talking about the big clubs. Well, hmm. no. no. You thought. Um, if you wanted um, maybe some other clubs to, to uh, talk about that aren't the top clubs, Maybe you have a fan that's like, oh, I'm a Leicester fan. Like we have a friend that's a kind of mm-hmm. a Leicester fan, or or another friend, or no, another um, other friends that are maybe Aston Villa fans or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, hey, um, you only follow the big clubs. You Americans only follow the big clubs. Not true. Well, here's some information on some smaller clubs. All right, this is going to be a bit more rapid fire. Not going to be as in depth as the two teams we just talked about, but we felt that those were probably the two most popular teams. Um, from the Premier League right now, so those they were important. All right, these four clubs are clubs that I think are going to be exciting. Whether they're good or not, we don't know, mm-hmm. but I think they will be exciting. What does that mean? Well, that means that you will be entertained watching their games, but you might not always watch them win mm-hmm. or play well, but they will be exciting. Okay, here we go. Team number one, Norwich City. Uh, Norwich lost 4-1 to Liverpool this past weekend. Zach and I watched that game. My biggest takeaway from that game was that Norwich looked like a team that could play in the Premier League, except they don't have good center backs or good holding midfielders. Their defense was poor. Their attack looked fluid. Uh, They play a very attacking style in the championship, and their manager has stated that they will not change their ways. So the same way they played last year in championship, they're going to play this year in the Premier League, or they're going to try. I like it. They conceded 57 goals in the championship last year. Ooh. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. They're going to see, concede a ton more in the Premier League, and that is also because they have not made any major acquisitions, no major transfers so far, meaning they might make some in the winter if they realize that their defenders aren't good. Yeah. Um, so they are going to get scored on a lot, which means they're going to have to score goals if they want to stay up in the Premier League, or they're going to have to make transfers. I don't know if that'll happen, though. So if you want to watch goals, Norwich City is a good bet. Oh, yeah. Because they're going to have to. And they scored. They had multiple opportunities. They only converted one, but they had multiple opportunities against Liverpool, who we said was the best defense last year. Mm-hmm. That is team number one. Team number two, Everton. Mm. Everton and Liverpool are rival rivals. They play in the same city of Everton and Liverpool. They're right next to each other. Um, Everton has made some very smart signings this offseason. They don't have the biggest transfer budget, but they do have more than most teams in the world. Um, they've signed Moise Ken from Juventus, the biggest club in Italy. They signed Alex Awobi on a free, who's an experienced Premier League striker. They signed Jean-Philippe Gabon, or Yep, come on. To replace um, Adrisa Ganagay, who was a $35 million transfer to PSG because he's just a very good holding midfielder. And also Fabian Delph, $10 million from Manchester City, who's City. an experienced Premier League player, to replace Adrisa Ganagay. Um, and Moise Ken and Alex Wobi are going to fill in somewhere on that left wing um, because Richarlison, the young Brazilian who's starting to break his way into the uh, Brazilian national team, is on the right wing. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson plays in the middle. They have good attack. They have good players. Um, they play a 4-2-3-1 that Marco Silva, their manager, um, has clearly uh, defined, has a plan for. They play very. They try to play very attacking. Um, their weakness is at center back. Uh, they had Kurt Zuma from Chelsea on loan last year. He played well. He's the physical presence they needed. They... Obviously, don't have him because they did not purchase him. So they're going to need to score goals to push into that top seven. Is, is kind of top six, top seven um, Europa League play. That's where they really want to be. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit more investment for them to push into those Champion League spots. So I think if they finish six or seven, they're going to be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. They need to score more goals. They don't have a for sure out and out starting central forward. They have a couple of guys that they're trying to figure out who's the best. Um, Sounds familiar. It does. <laughs> and um, they also, like I said, 
don't have very good center backs, so they're going to need to score some goals. Club number three, Southampton. Mm. Southampton uh, has an interesting transfer philosophy. Okay, so they made an $18 million signing of Shea Adams at striker to replace um, Manolo Gabarinini. I think I pronounced that right who was sold, I believe, in the winter to Sampdoria for $13 million. Sam Gallagher, who was sold to Blackburn, who's a championship team, for $6 million. Josh Sims, who was a, kind of a sub-off-the-bench guy who was loaned down to the uh, the championship. He was loaned out to the New York Red Bulls, actually. And Charlie Austin, who was sold to West Brom in the championship for $4 million. The fact that they signed an $18 million striker is big. Uh, I heard a, a a beat reporter for Southampton say that um, if they need a player, they will go out and find one. And if the valuation comes out at more than fifteen million dollars, they will very they are very slow to act. They they will have to really consider that player because fifteen million dollars for Southampton is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's impressive because the Premier League gives so much money to these clubs from their massive TV deal that they have with NBC and, and other you know, TV um, stations around the world. So the fact that they, are, they have to very much consider a $15 million signing is a, is a big deal. Shea Adams is, a, is about that. He's about $15 million, you know, 15 million pounds. Um, so they value him to be a very good player. They also signed uh, Matt Target from Aston Villa. He's an England U21 player. Had an impressive year with Villa last year in the championship. I think that's a very smart signing. I heard a lot of very good things about Matt Target. Like I said, they don't spend money. Um, but the last time they were relegated was in 2005, which ended a 27-year run in the Premier League. Hmm. So they know how to stay up in the Premier League. One of the ways they do that is by a very good academy. They sell players for five, ten, twenty million, or sometimes even more than that. Virgil Van Dyke to yep. uh, Liverpool, Sadio, Sadio Mane to Liverpool, about five or ten other players to Liverpool, yeah. um, and they take that money and reinvest it incredibly, incredibly well. Manager Ralph Hassen, Hassenhutl plays a pressing style like the Red Bulls RB Leipzig do. Um, Similar to Liverpool, but slightly different. Um, and I think that organization helps keep, helps kind of hide their lack of talent. So if you have a team that's super organized and plays a, a different style, um, it'll kind of hide that. And because they, they play that way, it's easier to bring young players up and in to that first team. For them to stay in the Premier League this year, I think they're going to need one of their signings or young players coming through their academy to make a greater than projected impact on the team. That's why they'll be exciting. You're going to see somebody either explode, it's a signing or an academy player explode and they stay up, or you're going to see them fight for relegation, which is also exciting. Okay, last team here, Chelsea. I have two notes on Chelsea. One, (laughs) Transfer embargo embargo makes things interesting. It does. So they got all their players in for the next year and a half that they're going to get in. That means no more wingers, no more forwards. Anyone else that's on loan is the only people that they can bring back. The reason they were able to sign Mateo Kovacic was because he was on loan from Real Madrid. He's already in their books, if you will, so they're able to sign him. So the embargo is they're not able to register any new player. Okay. One of those players is Christian Pulisic. So if you're yeah. um, an American uh, national team fan, you want to watch somebody play in the Premier League, play at a high level, potentially explode and be the next best thing in U.S. soccer, Christian Pulisic is at Chelsea. He didn't start this past weekend for Chelsea. Maybe that was good because they lost 4-0 to Manchester United. But he did come on as a sub. I wasn't able to watch a lot of that, but I did watch the beginning of that game, and it looks like they could maybe use some more experience either in the number 10 position or out on one of the wings because Mason Mount is a very good young playmaking uh, midfielder, 
but he's, he's young and he has yeah. he's not nobody's eaten hazard nobody's on this roster that, yeah. but he is young and he did very good things for derby in uh the championship last year but christian pulisic has scored and assisted in the champions league he's just a little bit more experienced he's had that pressure of starting week in week out he knows what it's like to he knows what it's like to win a starting job at a big club and lose a starting job at a big club and win a starting job and be transferred. He has that experience that Mason Mount doesn't. I think you could see him play a lot of minutes this year for what could be a very exciting Chelsea team under uh, club legend Frank Lampart. Or you could see him play for a very disappointing Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, I think... Chelsea is going to be an exciting team to watch because you can watch them crumble (laughs) if that's kind of what you're into. Um, With that being said, that is the end of our Premier League um, preview. We are coming to the close of the show, but before we do, do you guys have any more uh, news or notes that you guys want to bring up? Um, No. I think we're good. All right, then. Well... As always, glory, glory, Sacramento. Sacramento.